Christian Layman Church. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship service. I know the, the rain kind of cleared up a little bit, so I know if you're still on your way coming, those of you on the live stream maybe, uh, we hope to see you soon. Um, but it's good to have everyone here. We are in our what, third third day of Advent, or third week of Advent, I guess, um, and we're going to continue to worship, we're going to continue to celebrate uh, in preparation for Christmas Day and celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Um, All right. Um, and for those of you on the live stream, we also want to welcome you um, from wherever you are streaming from, or we're streaming, wherever you're watching from. Um, we hope that you would come and join us. Uh, we're going to have some Christmas celebrations later on in the year, both a Christmas Eve service and a Christmas Day service. It's a, it's a double whammy. So come and join us in person. We want to celebrate with you guys. We're going to do some awesome worship and some messages and even a candlelight service. And so be on the lookout for that as well. Just a quick plug for that. Um, but church, I just want to invite you uh, just to take some time to prepare your hearts this morning. I think in the in the season of, of Christmas time, it's really it gets really busy, right? You guys know there's a lot of holiday parties and secret Santas and, and just a lot of busyness going around, right? And so sometimes we have we, we forget that the season is is really to prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus. And so we forget to take a moment to pause. We forget to take a moment just to take a breath, right? And, and allow um, us to reflect on the good news and what Jesus has done. And so this morning, just, just take a second. We're going to build it back up. We're going to get some energy going. But just take a second um, to, to be with the Lord and prepare your hearts this morning. That nice peace and quiet for a little bit. <laughs> um, well, would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray for our time. And we're just going to worship him. Lord God, we praise you uh, this morning for who you are. Um, that you are a mighty and powerful and gracious and compassionate and beautiful God. Um, who loved your people so much um, that you didn't leave us hanging there in our sin, um, that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to come to be born as a baby, um, to live among us, to die for our sins and to give us new life, not only after, 
after we die, but here in this place now, you give us hope, you give us grace, you give us love, um, you give us a reason and a purpose to live our lives. Um, we thank you for you, Lord. And just as, as your people in the Bible just were waiting, they were expecting uh, you to come to be their king, to be their Messiah, Lord. And you just completely uh, changed and, and um, exceeded all of their expectations. You came in such a different way, Lord. Um, but you came in, in the way that was uh, right, the only way that it could have happened. Um, and so, Lord, I, I pray that as a church, as we continue to prepare our hearts in this season, um, that we would just take a moment to reflect, to sit in your presence, to thank you for what you have done, Lord. And continue to praise your name for being the long-expected king that we've all been waiting for. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for who you are and all that you have done. Would you be glorified and magnified in this place? And would you just be pleased by the hearts of your people as we lift your name in worship? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.
Good morning. <laughs> All right.
morning that you are a kind and selfless and gracious God that you would give up your one and only son. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for um, yeah, sending him to be Emmanuel God with us. We thank you that he is the, the rightful, true king. We thank you, Lord, that um, he was humble, that he came as a baby and came to serve and to seek the lost. Uh, we thank you. We just, we thank you. We thank you. This morning we are overflowing with gratitude. We thank you. Boom! 
pray. Lord, we celebrate you in this place today. We ask that your spirit would continue to move in our hearts and speak to us through Pastor Eric, Lord. Speak to us through your worship. Um, we pray that you would be glorified and lifted up as we continue to praise your name. We love you, and in Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. You will all be seated. Good morning, CLC. I hope this weekend gave you guys a little bit of time for some TLC. It's almost Christmas time, so I figured why not get in a couple quick rhymes. So, it's been a while since I've been up here, but at least it's in time for the new year. And it's been raining a lot lately, so I've been feeling pretty gloomy. But in my head, I just think of one thing, and I feel like a new me. And that's our motto, which is here at CLC, we raise disciples who love God, love people, and seek to serve the word. So I hope that last rhyme didn't cause too much strife, but let's not hesitate and jump right into community life. So what we talk about is here at CLC, we love to connect with each and every one, no matter where you are, whether you're near or afar, we really want to get a chance to know you. So if you want to get a chance to know us as well, we'd love to meet you and connect with you. So feel free to reach out to us at www.christianlayman.com contact or feel free to shoot us an email at info at christianlayman.org we look forward to hearing from you and so let's go ahead and jump in her announcements so project angel tree is coming up pretty soon it's been going on and it's a really cool opportunity to help out uh, interesting populations so i don't know if everyone knows but there's a couple sad statistics so the united states actually incarcerates the most number of its citizens compared to any other nation in the world which leads to about 1.7 million people who are currently incarcerated now although about 600,000 are basically freed every year that still leads to a lot of depression brokenness and despair and what it really impacts is a lot of the children who may not have a mom or a dad or both during the Christmas times, which is normally seen as a fantastic holiday. So this opportunity gives us a chance to give back to them and make them feel and know that they are loved and thought about at all times, even if their mom or dad may not be there. So it gives a chance for us on December 17th specifically to make some deliveries, also be with the families, watch them open their gifts, see that happy look on their faces, and also pray with them as well. So if you're interested in this opportunity, please feel to reach out to Jesse Lee or talk to any of us. We'll be happy to help you out. So next up, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in the fellowship hall, there stands something nice and tall, and that is right, standing there nice and free is a big old Christmas tree. So... Since this big, this process of moving here has been a bit of a transition for us, the staff at CLC thought it's time for a bit of a And so what that is, is that if you have trinkets, if you have ornaments, or even have photos of yourself or your families for Christmas, please feel free to help us commemorate our first Christmas here and help us decorate that Christmas tree. Please feel free to bring anything over and just help us make this a new tradition at CLC. And so, moving on from this, uh, what we have next up is that we have actually two services coming up specifically. We'll, we're going to be having a Christmas service on the 25th, which will be at 10.30 a.m., but we'll also be having a candlelight service on the 24th at 5 p.m. So please bring your friends, please invite your family, uh, please bring yourselves, and we look forward to celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the 24th and the 25th. We'd love to have you there. And so with that, I believe that's all it is. And I wanted to invite up Laura and Lynn for our 100th moment. 
Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Our 100th birthday is almost over. Are you feeling more like you're 101 soon? <laughs> yeah. But we're ending our celebration of our 100th year by interviewing Lynn. Does everyone know Lynn? Yeah. How could you not know her? She is the Director of Administration, but first we want to get to know her a bit more. So can you introduce yourself and tell us how you even ended up at CLC? Okay. First, I'm married to Gordon, um, and I have a daughter, Macy, who is a sophomore in high school. Um, and I started attending CLC in the 70s. Wow. Okay, that's the first time I started. And there's a funny slide of me. I don't know if Bruce can show it. Um, yes, that's me spreading the love. Okay, that's me. Okay. Anyways, so as a young kid, you guys, my dad would drop my cousins and I off to church. And um, he would go to my grandparents who lived around the corner. So my parents were the CEO Christians, the Christmas, Easter only churchgoers. But mind you, my grandparents, who I have a slide of too, um, they've been coming to CLC since maybe the 30s. I don't know if my Uncle Tack is here, maybe even earlier than that. Um, yeah, and my Uncle Tack, Takao, is my uncle. He is number 10 of 11 kids on my dad's side. So, okay, that's more introduction than you guys want. Anyway, so my grandparents were active at CLC for many years, and my grandmother um, did, like, ikebana flower arranging for the sanctuary, and I found this really cool letter when we moved out of Ward Street, which I wanted to show you, but Bruce said, the letter's really bad, so let's not show it. Oh, there it is. So it, it's like an appreciation letter, which kind of touched my heart. I thought it was really sweet that my grandma was part of this church, you know, for many years, and here I am. Um, anyway, so that's a bigger story. That's a longer introduction. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But fast forward, um, I guess as a young kid coming to church, one morning I just woke up and I didn't want to come to church, right? That happens to all of us. But I looked at my dad and said, why do I have to go to church when nobody else in the family is going to church? Um, he didn't have a great answer. So I stopped going to church for a while. But fast forward 10 years, and um, you know, during my post-college years, I guess, um, during a difficult season, you know, that means like relationship breakup, um, some friends told me, hey, you should come to church. And they introduced me to the Lord's Gate. And you guys know the Lord's Gate was part of CLC, so I'm back at CLC. And I remember clearly going to a Christmas service and seeing my grandma there and some other relatives, like my Uncle Takao and my Auntie, my auntie Yo, and just thinking, I think God wants me to be here. Um, and so I got involved and started, you know, ministry and whatnot, and here I am, years later, still on staff. Um, I guess I started staff in 95, 96, Calvin knows for sure. Um, and yeah, they give me keys, and I get to sign checks, and they haven't kicked me out yet. And you met Gordon here, right? I met Gordon here, okay. too, so I guess that's a big deal. Yeah, kind of big deal. <laughs> glad it has worked out so well. Um, 
Have you always been administratively and hospitably <laughs> inclined? Like how did you end up in your current role? Um, okay. I guess, uh, I guess, I, I'm a planner, you guys know, I like to organize, even though Gordon and Macy would say she's not organized. Um, and I tend to look ahead and think, worst case scenario, what's going to happen? And I try to avoid those worst case scenarios. And I think in that, I have the tendencies to like, you know, plan ahead and you know, just try to avoid those little pitfalls. The hospitality part of me, I think, came from my mom and dad because our family was big on entertaining and having barbecues and parties, and so I was used to all this food and crowds, and so I got involved in hospitality ministry, and they hooked me in, and I love Costco, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, what else? great, yeah. Um, yeah, we couldn't function without you I know so <laughs> but actually Laura actually um, my top gifting spiritual giftings are not hospitality and administration it's actually faith and mercy so I guess with those two gifts that's what kept me going on staff for so long um, you know mercy having mercy for those difficult I mean different people on staff and um, having faith to trust God, you know, and work with him, so. Okay, <laughs> great, yeah, I'm so glad you have those gifts, especially for dealing with some of us annoying CLCs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> okay, Laura said that, I did not say annoying. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, are there any, I know you've been here a while, and um, are there any particular God stories that stand out to you over the years? Um, okay, this was a hard question, because I can't think of just one particular God story. I think there are, like, a lot of God stories, and the cool part about being on staff is that I get to see all the God stories unfold. Like, seeing Noah up here today got me all choked up. <laughs> um, having Claire share about God talking to her, I was, like, getting teary-eyed when she's sharing. I'm like... So those are the God stories that I love. Seeing you guys doing your thing, serving God together, and just blessing the church. Um, like, I'm getting emotional now. Um, when we baptize people, when we send off a team, those are the moments that I'm like, okay, I get to be behind the scenes and, and make sure that happens, but it's really the hands and feet of you guys that are the God stories. So. God stories all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we oh, and Gordon, you know, Gordon. Met Gordon in church. <laughs> <laughs> <You're like necessary. laughs> um, are there any tangible ways that CLCers can help support you or your team? Oh, of course. Um, pray. Pray, pray, and keep praying for us and extend a lot of grace to us. Um, you know, the staff team, we're not perfect. We're we're broken, we're human, and only Jesus is perfect. So we have our baggage, we have our backstories, and I think the best way to, to help the staff team is just to pray for us and extend grace. And now that we have this building and it's all new, you guys really have to extend us grace because we're like, what do we do? Pastor Eric, what do we do? Stephen, Kayla, what do we do? I don't know. Um, but thankfully, people like Al and Doug who like facility stuff, they're like fixing things up. And so it's great. Um, 
But yeah, my hope is that all of you guys just use your gifts and volunteer, step up, take a step of faith, and help out. Um, and you know, people just RSVP when I send out the evites and <laughs> read your e-news so you keep up to date, and that's all good. And dark chocolate, because I like dark chocolate. Yeah. Don't forget the dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Um, this last question, oh, no. surprise question, <laughs> but it's probably not a surprise anymore. But if you had one word to describe the CLC community, what would it be? Just one Family. Word. Family. I think yeah. that's the common theme we've heard this hundredth year. So can we thank Lynn for her service? Yeah. Thank you, Lynn. And I believe the kids are finally dismissed. Yeah. Goodbye. Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the word of the Lord. So good morning. Okay, before uh, we get started this morning, um, uh, I, I wonder if we could all pray. Melton, you're, you have uh, surgery this week, right? Two knees being replaced? Yeah. So we just take a second to pray for, pray for Melton. Um, put, put, extend your hands to him. Yeah. Father, thanks for our brother Melton, um, the love that he brings, uh, the gift that he is to all of us. And as he goes through the surgery this week, Father, would you give uh, the doctors great skill? And we pray that his uh, recovery would be swift. But your hand on him, um, for, uh, for not just for his family, but for all of us. But thank you for him, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so uh, you might just want to shout out your favorite foods that we could bring over to you. Because <laughs> if not, you're going to get whatever, right? Well, um, hey, have you ever, have you ever met somebody 
that's not, not so much famous, but is just an expert, like a, a, a high-level expert in something. Those are the people that are fascinating to me. Let me, I want to show you a few pictures. In my life, I only have a few people that I've met that I really were excited about. So my, the first one, first one is this. This is 14-year-old this is me with John Wooden. Arguably, look at the, the, the greatest basketball coach who do ever, uh, ever coach, right? And, um, and he looked at me, I'm not kidding, he said, sit up straight, young man. And I sat up straight, right? Uh, so I used to go to John Wooden basketball camp, right? The second one, uh, second person I met that I thought was greatness, uh, and sorry, this has to be the same thing because this is the world I lived in. If we go to the next one, this is me and Michael Jordan and my best friend, Doug. And see, if you notice here, Michael Jordan's hand is on my shoulder. Um, we spent a week at uh, one of his camps when I was uh, back in 2007, yeah. And that's my friend, and uh, he doesn't have any hair anymore, so I think that's funny. But, uh, yeah, but, but these are people, like, if they said something, you did it. Like, you would not question them. I question everybody. I'm skeptical, right? But I question, you know, but... There are people that if you got to meet them, if they said something to you, and I've had times in my life where I've sought out advice from people, and whatever they said, I did, even career changing, right? There's another person, I don't know if you know this, that's actually in our midst, right? Here, let me show you this, this is right here, most handsome man in the world, right? Patrick Lynn, I don't know if you know this, but staying on that same theme, <laughs> Patrick... Patrick didn't hire Jeremy Lin, and therefore Jeremy Lin went into the NBA, and we had Linsania, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you would have hired him, we would have never got that, right? But I heard you actually copyrighted the name Linsanity, uh, so that was the thing. So this way. Well, well, in all that to be said, let me tell you the one person, the only time I've ever asked somebody, could I have a picture with you? And I know you guys are going to be blown away. This, the next, next person right here, this, this man right here. Does anybody know who he is? Huh? <laughs> Probably not. Right? So how many of you, anybody here like to shop at Target? Any, any Target fans, right? So if you like Target stores, that's because of this man. His name's Ron Johnson. Right? So in retail, this, this fan's here. Uh, anybody ever been to the Apple stores? When Apple said, we need to set up retail stores, they went to Ron Johnson, and he's the one who set up all the Apple retail stores. It was the only time I've ever gone to somebody, and was sitting at a Chipotle in downtown Palo Alto, and he walked in, and I'm like, oh, that's Ron Johnson. Right? If Ron Johnson said anything to me at that time about retail, and I had followed like retail businesses for years, I would believe it, and I'm just action-packed with questions for him. Now, the other cool thing about Ron Johnson I know is actually he's a follower of Jesus also, right? So he's done a number of things. But you come down to people that actually have authority to say something, right? We have a, we have a society now of, full of people that are famous for being famous, right? But who has authority within your life? Who are the people that you listen to almost in a way that says, I will question my gut, my heart, if they say something different from me? Today we want to talk about the, this place in the story of Jesus coming 
and that Jesus is the king and that he has all authority. Who's the one person that you listen to, not just to take a little bit of advice from, but you say, whatever you say, I will do. We're going to talk about this this morning. As we, uh, um, as we talked about last week in our review, we talked about Jesus as the Messiah. And Jesus comes down from earth, enters into a human body, Right? lays down his power and comes in love and is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies of Scripture. And yet, he was, he was different than everybody expected the Messiah to be. We thought you'd come in power. He goes, no, I laid my power down. Now, how does Jesus do all of his miracles? Well, the one thing that Jesus shows us in even being Messiah was that he was able, he had, because he was perfect God, he had, he had no break in his relationship with God. So this is why we see Jesus going off in the morning to pray, to spend time with God. Every miracle that Jesus does, it's the Father doing it. Jesus is in, in submission to the Father, right? He feeds the 5,000, he prays, and then it happens. So it's not Jesus walking around with power, you know. It's not like, a, like on Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, right? It's not like in the apocryphal writings where Jesus is a baby and he's playing with mud and he blows birds, you know, you know forms them out of clay and blows birds into existence. Like, oh, I don't even know if I had power, right? That's not actually the biblical story in the way that it works. It's that Jesus, as a, full, as a man, shows us how to have a relationship with the Father in perfect faith and what that can be like when nothing is blocking it. And that's the agony for him of the cross. It's not just the physical thing that would happen to him, which I'm sure he did not want to go through. But more importantly, it's please, I don't want to break the perfect relationship and communion that he has with the father so jesus coming as messiah everything he does he's doing in relationship with with the father and it's the same relationship that we have with the father today we talk about jesus is the promised king he comes as the king, Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. And we see in the, we see in the scriptures that, uh, that were just read, that as the angel comes to Mary, he's very specific. He says about Jesus, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So not only he says that he will also, he will be God, the son of the most high. The next thing that is said about Jesus is that he will be the king, the fulfillment of all those scriptures. And remember when, when we read scripture, God sees he's outside of time and space. He sees the end from the beginning. And so this is why... When you read scripture, sometimes things are peppered throughout all of scripture and people are making these connections. Even the story here, the story is told in this way to make the connection. By the way, Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the king. All right. So this is the, uh, the model 
the model for us. We also see in scripture sometimes things that we don't really many times do series on, um, even as Lynn was talking about annoying people on staff, which, it, you know, you, 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 we know. I knew it. Um, you have the genealogies. Why would they, why are these genealogies in here? I mean, no one ever, have you ever, like I haven't, I'm a pastor, this is what I do. I actually like this, right? <laughs> and we never go, oh, could we do another series on the genealogies, right? But they are very specific. God goes, this has to be in here. The story is connected, everything has to match. And so Jesus is born, they go, let me go through this genealogy, we're gonna, we're going to bring Jesus all the way back to David because he is the fulfillment of everything that was promised. Even in the future, they go, Jesus is going to reign in the future. Why? Because everything that was promised has not been fulfilled. And so when we look at that, this is a, um, you know, we connected all the way back to David, all the way back to Abraham. So those promises in scripture are fulfilled. And it was incredibly important when they talked about Jesus being the king that he's coming in this way, that the people writing scripture, that they said, look, this, we need to make sure that these are connected. Scripture is eternal. It speaks. It's the one thing that God uses. If God was going to say anything to you and I, he's already said it. He would just amplify almost everything he would say through scripture. He would use a verse of scripture to say, this is, I've already said this. And so how you read scripture on a daily basis, it's always fulfilled, it's alive, it's active. And in this story, we see that the biggest part when Jesus is being born, the authors are connecting Jesus to, back to David, back to Abraham, because he's coming as the promised king. In, the, in, the, in Matthew 2, we read, uh, let me just read this passage of scripture. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is born King of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and, and have come to worship him. Now, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly found, uh, and found out from them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report it to me so I too may worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way. The, the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it had stopped over the place of the, where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
Now read all that because I, I, this is really key. This is part of our Christmas story, the king's coming, right, and presenting these gifts. It's not a strenuous. This is, this is key to the story. Rulers from other places um, with communication to them outside of the, of the traditional biblical narrative coming to worship, bowing down to a child. It's strange that no one inside of Israel right, came to bow down before them, but outside of, the, of Israel, they came to worship Jesus and bow down and offer him gifts. Why? Don't miss this. It's because the, the heart of the Christmas story is that Jesus comes as Messiah, but he is coming as King and I think without, without spending too much time, Herod, who is not a nice guy by any means, this is a threat. And so and we kind of know in, in other languages, he has every child under two years old killed within that region because, because any king could be a threat to his legitimate power. And he probably knows, right, that even if he's not the legitimate biblical king if the people believe that he is the king that's that's enough to disturb right his authority so he has to take care of it and we know that mary and joseph go to go to egypt and it's uh, without going into it it is uh, it's right it's mimicking the picture of the right of the old testament Jesus going to, to Egypt during these years to escape the wrath of Herod, who's, who's trying uh, to kill him. But we understand that Jesus is king, and it can't be contained. And if he's a king, he has authority. If Jesus is king, he has authority. That's what a king is. Now, in our day, we have to really work at what this means, because... For the, you know, for the last couple of centuries, we've lived in democracy where we have more of a say. And so when we think of a king, it, it doesn't have the same, right? it doesn't ring the same way. Like when I was in high school, two of my friends were elected king, homecoming king and queen. They had no power. They had nothing. We thought, could you at least get us like a half day off of school or maybe a day before finals? No, they couldn't do anything. Right? And that's kind of like even right now, our, our, the nobility kings and queens that we have in our world are almost more celebrity than they are actual, right? Than, uh, than they have actual say. Although if you have watched the series The Crown, it is quite an amazing series. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. Anyways, um, but, but the idea is that Jesus is king, and when we read that, we go, okay, that means he really does have authority. And now when you look at Jesus' life, he lives this out. Even though he has laid down his power, it doesn't mean that he does not have authority. And I think of this all the time with us. We think, well, what can I do? You would be surprised Right? And I think many of us, even, even within the places of our work and life, people have, have titles, but then other people have influence and authority. And Jesus, by no means, was not shy. He knew who he was from the very beginning. Think about the young boy at 12 years old being inside of all the Ph.D. religious people asking them questions. Right? 
Almost like, in there, who, who is this boy in the temple? When Jesus is teaching in Mark 1, 27, it says this. I just brought this one verse. The people were all amazed, and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He even gives order to impure, impure spirits, and they obey him. See, Jesus' life, he wasn't just born the king. His life was marked by being the king. His life was marked by spiritual authority. Whether it was healing, whether it was standing up and calming the seas before his disciples, he had spiritual authority because that's who he was. So let me ask you this. What is your relationship to Jesus? Is Jesus your friend? Because he is a friend. But is that your main relationship to him? Is he like a spiritual advisor? Is he, right, is he the one that you don't disturb, but when things get bad, you go to him? Like, oh, no, I lost my job. Okay, we better get Jesus. He's got to get on this, right? Something going on with our families, sickness, illness, children. Is he your hero? Oh, I love him. I do that. Yeah. Jesus' rightful place in our lives is being a king. You see, the problem with if he's just a spiritual advisor or someone we admire or someone we love as a friend, these are all good things that he, I believe, needs to be in our life. But these are all, these are all people we can take and leave their advice Right? We, all, we all have our best friends, and there's times we go, right? <laughs> last night at our home group, Patrick, <laughs> he came to me and you go, hey, he came to me, this is what's funny, he came to me and you're like, I just cut your finger, <laughs> he goes, hey, I cut my finger, what should I do? <laughs> and I'm like, this is advice you should take or leave, right, right, and I'm like, he's like, I'm going to put some hydrogen peroxide on it, I go, I don't think you should do that, it's like, no, it cleans, you know, so we're having this discussion, right, two dumb guys having a discussion, right, <laughs> and I'm thinking, all of our friends that actually are doctors would know what to do, right, and so, uh, but the point being is that we can take or leave advice from those people, sometimes we do, if Jesus is king, he, every word he says, we don't need to just consider. We need to take to heart. And not just a heart, to say, how do I live this out? How do I shape my life to it? Not, okay, let me see how I fit that in. If Jesus is king, he has absolute, he has absolute authority. You know, one, one thinker, one notable thinker, when uh, um, decades and decades ago, when talking about the Christian faith, he said, the problem with, with Catholicism is it will probably go in the direction of authoritarianism because of its structure. He goes, but the problem with Protestants, which we would all probably put our bucket in, he says, is that everyone sooner or later will become their own church, right? I'll take this, I'll put that away. And if you think about the complaints that many of my friends have, and sometimes we even say, like, well, I like that church, but I don't like this. I'm not, we're leaving there. And you've seen the way churches do. It's because the voice of Jesus has been replaced, right? Almost like having a family dinner potluck, like I'm going to eat certain things, but I'm going to reject those things. I'll do what I 
like. And so the message of Christmas, which is beautiful, is that Jesus is king and he has authority and he needs to have authority over every area of our life. So we don't just become a congregation of one. You know, the picture that is often said when I talk to, when I, I talk to friends about their, their faith is that many times in our faith, if you feel far away from God, or even that, even that your relationship with God is, is not very active or it's not making sense. In the last few years with everything happening and, 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 and so, many, uh, so many of us feeling that isolation, many times um, it's almost like we walk in this direction and we say, God, I, I'd like to do these things. Can you come with me over here? And then we say, how come God isn't active in my life? And God says, I love you. And I care about every area of your life. But God's like, but I'm over here. <laughs> you come follow me. Right? That was always Jesus' words to his disciples. Hey, Jesus, those guys are teaching this. He goes, never mind them. You follow me. And so if you find that in your life that there is this dichotomy, that where is, right? Like, God, I feel like I believe this, but my life is like this. Many times it's because we're over here asking God to come do our stuff. And it's the hardest thing in the world to stop what we're doing and reorientate our lives, even as people of faith, to say, God, I'm going to start doing what you want me to do. It almost always involves sacrifice. Almost always involves making amends. And the biblical word for this is actually the word repentance. Repentance doesn't mean to feel sorry. Like, oh, I'm going to repent. I'm really sorry. That's not what it means. It literally means to turn and walk in a, in, a, in a different direction. And that was Jesus' term. Turn and follow me. But if he is the king, then he's the one that we could listen to. And so it's the hardest inventory we have to take in our lives. It's an inventory of how many of the things that I do or don't do is based on, right, a congregation of one. Now, the last thing I want to say about this is this. No one ever also says this. Is that the best times in your life, faith-wise, is almost always when you've dropped everything else and you're doing what God calls you to do. Because the word obedience is like, in our culture, is like this heavy word. It's like the word used to like, what happened? Well, I had a really hard upbringing. Right? My parents, my uncle, my grandparents, they just beat into me, obedience, don't talk. And it, it crushed me. But that's not the obedience that God says. God says, come, follow me. Why? What do you, he goes, come and, if you follow me, if you listen and obey, there is life in it abundant. And I guarantee if you went back and did an inventory in your life of every moment that you had with the Father that you said, this was amazing. When you saw God working, almost every time you weren't doing your work agenda, you were on God's agenda. Every place where we obey God, all of a sudden we experience freedom. And somehow in our hearts it feels like, oh, if I obey, it means, you know, it, it feels like oppression. But it's not. 
It's the adventure. It's God saying, I know the plans that I have for you. If you listen to me, I will get you there. Oh, is it an easy road? He goes, well, I'll tell you this. It's not easy, but my yoke is easy. It won't, I won't guilt trip you into it. You will feel peace and love. But make no doubt, it's sacrificing. It's dying to yourself. And I won't go into like all the, you know, and this is Jesus' expression, unless a seed dies in the ground, unless you die to yourself and you go my direction. But this is where our greatest lives are found. And this is where the church has been most effective, where people have sacrificed. We're going to put down our agenda and we're going to do God's agenda. Well, what's in it for you? Nothing. What'd you guys do? Yeah, we just, we just freely gave away things. This is where we find God working is when we start listening to God and then he tells us to do these things that seem crazy to the world and they transform people's life. They, people don't have a bucket to put it in. But if Jesus is king and we listen to his voice, um, we, that obedience becomes a way of life that is, full, is filled with joy. Is filled with closeness. And not only is Jesus king and in, in our time, is that Jesus also, he brings the promised kingdom. So king has a kingdom. Now again, Herod thought that this was going to be a physical kingdom. Just like they thought the Messiah was going to be physical. But Jesus d redefines everything. It's not the earthly kingdom that one would imagine. Jesus says, oh, it's the kingdom. He goes, but the kingdom, the kingdom is bigger. It's not just for the Jewish people in Israel. It's for all nations. Everybody gets invited. And all of us in this room are here because Jesus goes, the kingdom gets extended to everybody. Not only is it bigger, it's wider. It encompasses every area of our life. It's not just about believing the right things and doing the right rituals, but it becomes every. Everything in our life can become an act of worship to deep connection with God. And also, it's a kingdom without end. In fact, to think about it this way, God's kingdom, it's just starting. We enter it now. Heaven is just is the extension of being with, with God forever. I mean, imagine how short-sighted it would have been if Jesus would have set up his own earthly kingdom if he would have come and fulfilled that, and it would have been that concrete, like, well, you got to go to Israel, you got to do these things, it's got to be, right? These are all the laws that he had to set up. It would have been incredibly short-sighted. But from the very beginning of the Old Testament, all the way to the last verse of, script, of, of, um, of Revelations, um, there is an expression that God has. His expression is this. I will be their God and they will be my people. He speaks, he speaks lovingly and longingly about this for the people of Israel. I would be your God. They wanted a king. He goes, I will be your king. No, we want a personal king. He's like, no, you don't want this. And that's when they got Saul and they got David, right? But this is God goes, I, you need to, we want to be a different nation. Then Jesus comes and fulfills it and says, I will be your king. But I will be your God and you will be my people. The end, the end of 
history as God explains it in Revelation. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will be their God. And they will be his people. That's, that's God's desire for us, that we would be his people. And he is the rightful king, and we get to start his kingdom now. And so it doesn't matter what political system we're in. It doesn't matter what nationality we're in. Everything, it, 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 it supersedes all of that in the most beautiful ways, that we have freedom. We have freedom to define what God wants to do outside of the way the world wants to define us and God's love. We don't have to, uh, we, so we, we're uh, in following the king Every place we're obedient, we bring the love of God. God comes in and transforms. Let me ask you again, where in your life do you feel that God is far away? The Christmas story reminds us that Jesus is king. And we experience God's work and his presence fully when we commit to Jesus, Jesus' rightful kingly authority. Every place we say, Jesus, I surrender, I'll let you speak into this area. Every place we, that's where we will start to experience God. God doesn't pry anything out of our hands, but he willingly invites us to lay everything down just like the kings from the east, the magi, who bow at this young child's feet and give their best as that picture to say, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The last thing when Jesus was on earth, after he had risen from the grave, he looked at his disciples right before he told them the great commission. And he kind of sneaks this line in. He goes, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me yeah. over life and death. Jesus, after walking that, walking that path on earth, has all authority in heaven and earth. And in fact, sometimes I'd say, I used to say it when I was a youth pastor to my young people, even, even if you, like, like God has so much authority, that even if you obey your parents and your parents are wrong, he can make it right. He has that kind of authority. Can I trust God with all of my finances to give generously because I need to have so much away for my retirement? He goes, you can trust me that I will take care of you. You don't have to take care of you. Can I trust you if I, if I, if I really commit my career to you? That this would happen or would, would this? No, you can, you can trust me. You can say no to those things. You can say, yes, give that all to me. Lay it down. Every place that we obey God and we lay those things down, Jesus, and we enter into God's kingdom, he, he will honor that. This Christmas... Not only do we celebrate Jesus as the Messiah, that God is good in every promise he makes, but Jesus is king, and we can fully trust him with every area of your life. Everything he says is true. 
And we have to have no, there can, there, we don't have to have, none of our lives have to be truncated. Everything we give to him as a king, he has authority to do. And like the Magi, we can come and we can bow at him. Noel, Noel, born is the king of Israel. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, thank you, Jesus, that you came. And Father, we just, I, would you forgive us for holding back so much? Like Isaiah, we're, we are a people of unclean lips. And uh, the things that come natural to us, sometimes, Father, we hold on tight to things we think will really make a difference. Father, we just, as best we can, surrender everything one by one to you. Thank you for this good news. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to earth as Messiah, but also as the King. And would you lovingly show us the areas of our individual lives, of our families, and even us as a church, that we can willingly and, and wonderfully give to you because uh, you are the rightful King. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, we're going to continue to respond to uh, Pastor Eric's message, um, just reflecting on those words in the first Noel. Uh, so I, I invite you to just take this time um, to reflect on those things, reflect on on Pastor Eric's question, where, who is Jesus to you? Where do you see him in your life? Um, is he truly the king of your life? And if he's not, I invite you to ask him to be, because truly, truly, it is the most beautiful and worth it thing you will ever do with your life. Um, Pam is also in the back, and she'd be just so happy to pray for you, pray with you, um, even talk, talk with you through some of these things that you're wrestling with through the message, um, and she'll be back there all throughout the end of the service, so feel free.
church, we're going to sing out this last song, just continuing to praise the Lord for being the true King of Kings. So would you stand with us as we continue?
<laughs> Church, would you receive this benediction this morning? Would you extend your hands just in front of you? Church, may your hope and your life be anchored in Jesus Christ, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. All right, church, just a few quick announcements. You guys can have a seat. Um, just a few quick announcements before we close. Um, Pam is still available in the back if you would like to receive prayer or if you have any needs, uh, prayer requests throughout the week. Our staff would love to pray for you. And so send those to prayer at christianlayman.org. Um, also, if you have any financial uh, tithes or offerings, you can make those online at christianlayman.org slash give, or you can hand any physical things to uh, Pastor Eric there. Um, but yes, uh, that's it for today. I believe we have some treats and stuff in the fellowship hall, but thanks for joining us. We'll see you same time, same place next Sunday. Um, have a great week, everyone.